You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along brought to you by Making It Rain on You Like Window Panes. Um, and that same thing again. And Kenny not ever starting the show. Yeah, yep. we've, we're three years in now, and Kenny has never started a show. We'll change that next week. Yeah, but just remember, kids, uh, when you think you've learned everything, uh, Juicy J will teach you something new. <laughs> oh, man, that is so true. We should make that a prerequisite to our show is that you know who Juicy J and Project Pat are. And uh, there's one more. Lil White. Yeah, Lil White and Lil Chat and Gangsta Boo. <laughs> so, I apologize. There may be some noise in the background. There's uh, a lasagna that's in the middle of cooking, much like your cookies. They're taking way too long. I, I think that I'm going to eat one of those cookies when it's not lava hot. Yeah. So you might hear crunching here. In a few you minutes. will probably hear cookies being consumed on our side, and you'll hear lasagna being slurped on Kenny's side, just like. <laughs> oh God! Don't do that, please. Um, so. Anyways, we have a we have a show, and we're going to base the show mostly around what you should never, ever, 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 ever do. Um, we got an email. We got an email question that describes what you should never ever do. That you that perfectly describes what you should never do. At least from what we get in the email, now you know sometimes. Um, you know, you lose a little bit between in electronic communication and maybe we're not reading it correctly, but the three of us have all read the email and we think the same thing. Um, and we'll start at the top with our normal business. Oh, God, my trackpad doesn't want to work. Oh, you stupid. Do you have it turned off? Because no, it- it's not turned off. It's that my fingers are really dry and my computer's a piece of fucking shit. <laughs> You're yeah. going to have to use your... <laughs> do you have to use like lube on your fingers with your keyboard to make it work no it's just sometimes that's weird sometimes my trackpad doesn't want to work with my fingers and it's really fucking annoying especially because i wanted to not use my mouse so i wouldn't have to make clicky noises for ben to listen to and there's like a sl- there's holes like our table has slats in it, so my laser mouse doesn't really work that well either. So I have to like reposition it from time to time. And it's well, you know, if you didn't pick it up an inch and bang it back down on the table, it wouldn't make as much noise. And I also wouldn't have the rage of a you, you if you did, weren't throwing a mantrum about your mouse this right is now. No mantrum. Um, <laughs> we don't have any donations this week. We don't have anything like that sent in. If you want to, you can go to just riding along. Or jrashow.com, or you can go to mountainbikeradio.com and we can select our show. And there you can contribute to the cause of general ruckus causing. It really, fuckery. like, it, it basically goes towards rent. Yeah. It's, it's, we're not slow. We're, if you, if you donate to the show, we're not blowing it on like hookers and blow or anything. It's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty responsibly used most of the time. Yeah, except that my birthday soon, so I'd probably I'd lots of coke. Yeah, Matt's birthday is the third of February. He's gonna be twenty two years old. Yeah, I'll be twenty two. <laughs> I'll celebrate my God damn it. My year of legal drinking. Um, <laughs> what can you do at twenty two? Can you rent a car or something? Uh twenty five you can rent a car. Uh, okay. But that's about it. At twenty eight you can shit in your pants and realize you have a student loan debt that you're paying off for many years to come and that, you know, the real world is hard. <laughs> what does that have to do with shitting in your pants? Uh, just, I don't know. Just, I mean, they're like two separate things you can do when you're 28. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I did not connect that. that yeah. Like, I mean, you're a big boy now. If you want to poop your pants, you can. And then uh, you have to clean it up yourself. Right. I get it. But at, at 27, that's not a problem. No, you can do that at 27 also. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I got it. But it's not like when you turn 28, that right to poop one's own pants gets taken away. Oh, I'm, l- I'm learning all kinds of new shit. Yeah. Uh, Can we... Max from the UK are, has a question. Are we question. not going to talk about our week? No, I'm going to dedicate the entire show to the email question. Oh, okay. Kenny had the flu. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, my week was not exciting. That, that was it. Um, Should have gotten your flu shot, Kenny. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I've never gotten one before. I don't know. Yeah, me either. I'm never around elderly people, children, or sick people, or anything like that, so I, I just take my chances. All right, Max from the UK has a question. Hey, guys. Hey, Max. I'm from the UK, and I'm obsessed with your podcast. Wait, he didn't call us mates? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I don't know if this is the right place to ask questions, but what is your view upon riding SPDs or flats? Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. Oh, okay. That's a good question because that is a hot topic on every internet forum that involves mountain bikes. It's a freaking dumbass question. <laughs> Just ride whatever pedals you like. I don't even want to talk about that. It makes me <laughs> angry. <laughs> Haven't we talked about that on like 17 shows? Oh, I don't know. I mean, basically, my view on it is I think if you're if you're like cross-country racing, you'll probably want SPD pedals because you have more efficient movement. Um, if you're doing any – if you want to have the ability to put a foot out in order to turn quickly and if you – you know, if you're practicing that sort of thing, if you're practicing skill-type stuff, I think the ability to do stuff on flats is important for skill. And I will, um, I mean, I'll put it out there. I can't do shit on flat pedals, and it is the it is the basis on uh, it is the basis of why I I I can't um, you know like any skill that I'm lacking. It kind of boils down to the fact that I started on clip in pedals, and I still ride clip in pedals, and I never learned how to get a bike off the ground with flat pedals, and. <laughs> Matt's freaking out because his trackpad is freaking out. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's an important skill. I mean, I, I wish that I was not lacking in that skill. And the few times that I put flat pedals on my bike and I was like, I'm going to learn how to ride flat pedals. I basically like my legs were really freaking tired by the time I rode for half an hour because they're not all that efficient for pedaling. And so I just hated them and took them off. And, you know, that's kind of what happens when you hate stuff. It's not the best, like, I I don't, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I can't really say, like, you should ride one over the other. It's like Kenny said, ride whatever you're faster on, but I will say that you should, don't be like me and just learn how to ride SPDs. You should also learn how to ride flat pedals. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? I'm going to do some trail rides this summer with flat pedals just to figure out how bad it actually is. Yeah, I think for you it's not going to be a problem because you you know how to ride flat pedals on a BMX bike. And I think riding anything for a long duration is is really the whole issue with yeah. it at all. I mean, there's just no I see absolutely zero fucking benefit ever to running flat pedals on an hour plus long ride. I just don't see why you would ever do that unless it's like your city bike and you need to wear sneakers cuz you need to go to the strip club. <laughs> I like riding my bike to the strip club. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not doing that, it's just real, I don't see the point. Yeah. I mean, for endurance-based stuff, endurance and speed, um, you know, a, a carbon, like a stiff-soled shoe and being clipped in is like, that's the way to go because it's just, you pedal, it, it is, your legs will be less tired pedaling with that than they will with flat pedals. But, you know, there are definitely some skills you should be able to do with flat pedals than you know, I'll be the first to admit that I can't do this. And I just want to try it because I do have great flat pedal riding ability. I don't feel like there's really any technical move that I'll be hindered by platform pedals on unless the pedal offers less clearance. Um, and then it, you know, if I have more pedal strikes because I'm riding platforms, then that's definitely a problem. Um, about the only time that I can see platforms would be just downright advantageous or sorry, clipless pedals are absolutely advantageous in a technical sense or when you do pedal strike, your foot can't become dislodged from the pedal. Um, but other than that, I think everything will be pretty normal. As far as the power transfer, I'm devil's advocate here. I think if you had a nice pair of shoes like five tens or those specialized shoes that are designed for riding platform pedals in a trail setting, not wearing like skate shoes or sneakers, you'd probably have a lot better pedaling efficiency. Something I've noticed on my BMX bike when I pedal it really hard in my vans, I do feel the what I would call like the fold over when my foot makes that 
you know, Crease. that upside down banana over <laughs> the over the pedal, uh, and then coming up really short on something, you know, case really hard. I'll, I'll feel like it's get that same wrap around feeling. But the flip side of that is I've in the fall of ninety. I'm gonna go get a cookie. In the fall of ninety eight, I started riding clipless pedals for my BMX racing. So while I do have you know, years and years of riding and jumping and everything on platform pedals. I do have a, a large number of years. I mean, we're cruising up on 18 years now of me using Shimano SBD pedals. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, I'd say that I'm pretty comfortable using them and pretty comfortable not using them as well. Oh my God, these cookies are so good. Yeah. Have you ever, Kenny, have you ever just gone out for like, tried to do like a two hour trail ride on flat pedals? Uh, I've tried to do like a one hour trail ride on flat pedals. Uh, once in the snow, I think. And then just like a local ride. And it was awful. Oh yeah, that, you know, actually in the snow, I do like flat pedals. Yeah, if you're going to dick around. Because it's like 20 degrees and you can wear snow boots that way. Yeah. And that's advice coming from Jonathan Davis and he lives in the snow in the wintertime. So, you know. I, I would trust his word on fat bike stuff. He does, like, on his fat bike, he does a dropper post and flat pedal, so it's easy to get on and off and get started. And uh, he can wear his snow boots. Sorry seems, for the crunching. I mean, seems pretty legit. Yeah, Ben's <clears throat> going to kill you. No, he says he, he doesn't care about food. He thinks that's fine. Like, it adds character, but when you're just typing, something about it just makes him want to, like, RKO out of nowhere. You just like. <laughs> I could see Ben doing an RKO out of nowhere to someone. So, do we want to go into the question about the customer who RKO out of nowhere his bike? When do we do uh, the shit that we hate segment? We can do that right now. Okay, oh, okay. I have a ton of. I'm like super angry today. Oh boy. Yeah. Kick, so well, you I'm, kick it off then. I'm just like mad at shit. Uh, so ceramic speed. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw headset. this bearings why the fuck would you make a ceramic headset bearing so you can do bar spins better i mean people understand that the whole idea of a ceramic bearing is in theory assuming that all the stuff is actually correct and you have actually like no lubricant in it whatsoever uh that it somehow saves you wattage so if you're riding to the point where you're losing wattage from your headset (laughs) i'm going to venture to say that you're riding wrong Handlebar watts. Yeah. So is that the next thing? We're going to measure handlebar watts. I mean, what the fuck? Isn't the didn't the advantage they said was something about it being stiffer? How the heck could it be stiffer if your if your if your um, headset is like it makes me angry? And because you can just say whatever the hell you want. What part of it is stiffer? Like the top cap? I mean, you just don't know what they're testing. Like it's a part that's probably not even intention or completely inconsequential or whatever. You know, is the is the bolt that holds the stem cap on stiffer? I no, mean, you don't, I can you don't tell know what you, the hell they're doing. I can tell you what they mean by stiffer. If you run it out, theoretically, they are correct. In theory, a stainless race with a steel ball, like, you know, let's just say metal, metal ball bearings, metal races, those are all made within a certain tolerance, and they have to be made to the tolerance of the steel or stainless steel ball bearing. And that ball bearing is not going to have the same tolerance of roundness that a ceramic bearing will, which is part of the reason that they tout such great spinability. Sure. So what they're going to say is, because the headset inner race, like each individual bearing, the inner race and the outer race, are machined to a higher tolerance to fit better with that higher tolerance bearing, there's less play in the front end, and that's stiffer. Yeah, but it's a fucking angular contact bearing. It's, it's not, imperceptible. It's just no. It's an angular contact bearing. You put as much tension on the system as you need to get any play out. That's their angular contact bearings. Like that makes me so angry. It's just ridiculous, and they're four hundred dollars. And it'll and be. People are hey, Kenny, buy you know it. what? What's going to happen is uh, it's going to be like a triathlete thing, and it'll be like people who put their bike on the trainer and sweat directly into it. Yeah. Look, I will say. Possibly from a corrosion standpoint, it's going to be better. But they also say like, oh, it's resi- it's not going to corrode. Um, well, I mean, it's still got one steel race. So mm-hmm. 
you know, it's like, oh, my half steel car is going to corrode less than my all steel car. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess so a little bit, but fuck, that's a really dumb analogy. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not uh, agreeing with it. I'm not supporting it. I'm just trying to say what the benefits are supposed to be. Man, the marketing stuff, though, just when they do funny stuff, like I'm with that, but trying to be serious is just a- anyway. I mean, I, they wouldn't exist if people didn't buy their shit, you know, and I'm not saying in some applications it's not, you know, there's not some kind of benefit there. But I mean, come on here. So anyway, that's the first thing that pissed me off. What's the next one? Uh, XDR brakes. Are you done I, with them? I've said it a bunch. The new ones suck ass. Hold on. Do they have a carbon piston? Uh, yes. And ah, I'm so glad you said that. Cause what I found the other day out of the box, they were just nasty. Like it wasn't pistons weren't retracting. And I actually jumped into it and took all the hoses off and had just a caliper in front of me and started pulling pistons out. And this one piston was just draggy, like nasty. And, uh, long story short, got it warrantied. They sent me a new one. It was a 90, 20 brake. So it's the monoblock aluminum caliper. Ceramic. And they sent me ceramic pistons. I'm like, oh, goddamn, you're making them just like your old brakes. Dumbasses. <laughs> oh, it just makes me so angry. So basically now, if you buy the new brakes and then you hope to get them warrantied and then they send you the pistons that actually work and then you put your old 985 or 988 levers on it, then they'll be great brakes. <laughs> I've so. got new levers. I've got like old calipers with new levers. So here's the deal. Any brake that we've seen with a carbon piston, yeah, we just call them and say no. And we get a ceramic piston one because none of the carbon piston ones work. Yeah, it, but it just pisses me off because I've got so many people that have had that problem. But it really <coughs> makes me angry when a company doesn't come out and say, we made a mistake, let's get the old ones back and let's just fix it. Yeah, I mean, at least like SRAM has done that. They just hide behind a damn curtain and they're like, oh, no, no problem here at all. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you, you know, when they don't say that, they waste my time because I got to troubleshoot shit. And I think there's, you know, actually some other issue other than it's just a piece of shit break. And if they would just tell me, well, we screwed up. This is why we screwed up. This is how we're going to fix it. I'd go, oh, OK, well, that's cool, I guess. It's a but, little bit of a pain in the ass, but thank you for saving yeah. me time doing all the troubleshooting. But now, basically, they've offset all that waste of time and money on the bike shop. Did they at least send you a chain? No, they didn't send me shit. Bitches. Man. Right. That'd be like if Ford made a faulty alternator, and then the customer had to pay for a lot of troubleshooting work just for them to finally be like, yeah, we can cover that that alternator under warranty, no problem. Oh. Instead of just coming out and saying, like, hey, look, every... You know, 2012 Focus is going to have an alternator that dies at 75,000 miles. Um, but like every single last one of them will die at maybe that's a bad example. A 2015 Focus at 700 or 7,500 miles, the alternator is just going to crap out on every single one. Then it's like, oh, okay, well, let me call my folks that have them and uh, go ahead and send me 10 because I've sold 20. I'll let you know and I need some more. You know, that that's the. That's the more amicable way to do it, but that's not how the bicycle industry works. All those, cu- all those customers out there, if you look in your brakes and you've got those black pistons in your new 9,000 series brakes, go bring a six-pack yeah, six of beer to your bike shop no, and say, hey, warranty them, these. Bring them $20 <laughs> because you have XCR brakes. Apparently, you have money. Bring some fucking cash in. Yeah. Seriously, staple a 20 around each brake hose. There you go. That's Bring your do. bike in and say, hey, my 9,000 brakes with, with uh, carbon pistons haven't been working that well. Do you think you can help with that? And then like, use your hands and flip the 20s around on the hoses and be like, <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. If you could just like hold it in front of a fan and let the 20s flap in the air, that would be even better. You bring one of those little fans that like, hangs on a lanyard, like the little yeah. lanyard fans that have a mister bottle behind them. <laughs> Because nothing's better than a wet 20. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, uh, I've got more shitty brake news for you guys. Oh, God. Did your guide brake stop working? No, my guide brakes are great. Sick. Every guide ultimate that I've ever touched has been a pile of shit. Hmm. Oh. So are you seeing that as well? 
Uh, I don't know anyone that has God. Yeah, ultimates. we don't have. Like, That's we've, funny. we've only sold RSCs through our shop, like on okay. some, a couple of. Uh, so you know what's pivots. really funny about the ultimates is the only thing they changed supposedly is the lever blade, and they made it basically flexier, which is annoying, and they changed the complete caliper and the piston like material everything, and now the brakes feel like shit. <laughs> so, don't buy a SRAM guide ultimates. All right. Yep, stick with the guide RSCs. It's kind of funny you said that. Maybe a different way to put this is if you're going to buy brakes, which are really important, like they stop you. They prevent you from going fast when you don't want to go fast. They they let you scrub speed when you think you're going to die. (laughs) When your man bits have shriveled, they help you rein things back in, in under control. There's a reason that the XT, the guide R... All these things are called the workhorse brakes. Buy those. You want the workhorse stopping you from dying. Because <laughs> you can ghetto fab some shit together and like single speed your bike out of the woods. You can't ghetto fab something together and make your brakes work. So buy brakes that are going to work every single time you need them to. Stop yes. being stupid. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. See, my only problem with XT brakes is I'm not... I mean, I have them on my Box 6 because that's just what it came with. But I wouldn't just choose to purchase those because I don't like the servo wave. My Personally, there is nothing actually like technically wrong with XT, the servo wave lever. But I don't like how that feels. I like the linear feel of... Of XTR and guides. the non-trail, huh? Or guides, or guides. guides. Like I would way. probably be happy with guide brakes, also. But you know, but yeah, I yeah, that's the only reason why I wouldn't get XTs. But that's some people love how that feels, and that's that's fine too. I don't. Um, it's funny that you said that about the the guides, Kenny, because I went to a SRAM, uh, a, like two days of clinic stuff. Um, learned how to rebuild reverbs and learned how to service like through the full overhaul and a charger damper mm-hmm. and the SRAM tech guys that were putting on the clinic. Um, it, he was like talking about brakes. He's like, you know, the guide brakes are great. And uh, he's like, they have to be because, you know, we're, we're on our ninth life on brakes. Like we we've already used up our nine lives. Like if, if these suck, then, you know, we're dead. Like, no one's ever going to buy our brakes again. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, he also, like, that's on our list of new shit that we probably hate is SRAM Eagle 12-speed. Um, apparently, somebody leaked a photo of that group onto the internet. Um, do you know where Ben saw that? I know I, it was an image. Like, I found a full breakdown of it. The other day. The thing that makes me think it's really real. Well, it is. No, the thing that makes me think this is really real and really. So this goes back to the last one that I. The last thing that we talked about is I was like, it's not leaked. If it's like a full page of crap, that's not a leak. That's a. That's a press release. Uh-huh. Bike rumor. Like, so very quickly, you can just Google uh, SRAM Eagle 12 speed mountain bike and you're going to find and do an image search and you'll find it pretty quickly. Um, I mean, it's super easy to find. Uh, but the reason that I know that this is real is bike rumor hasn't talked about it. Because if it was real, if it was fake, bike rumor would run it. Yeah, exactly. For the page clicks. But because SRAM pays bike rumor, the shit hit the fan. Everyone got an email, do not publish. Right. Because when your advertiser is the same person who is your content, then you do what your advertiser sells. So not only can you not get an accurate review of a bike, but when something's actually... When it actually is a rumor about bikes... Right. They're not going to tell you about it. Right. And like 
what did the dude say? Like he kind of like lost his shit. Like he looked yeah, at you like yeah, astonished like, that you knew what he what, what that was. Yeah. Right? So we were just like shooting the shit before they started. Like they were kind of setting up, and I'm like, "Hey, I saw this morning that there's a 12 speed group. Is that going to be like a next D driver thing?" And and he just like looked at me. I was like, like you know, the Eagle 12 speed that I saw it this morning, and he's he like he was like, "Oh, haha," you know, like that's. Funny, like he just kind of kind of ignored it and like smiled and laughed, like you're not really serious. And then I was like, no, I I saw a picture of it, like it's it's on. He's like, where? I was like, on Twitter. And he's like, who posted it? Like he was like mad for a second, and I I pulled it up. I was like, you know, this is like a retweet from somewhere, and uh, apparently it sounds like what it was, and and he. Immediately, like those two guys, the two guys that were there, like they went outside and got on their phones, like calling people. And uh, then apparently there was like a company wide email sent out about, you know, it sounds like what happens is the media gets this information ahead of time and probably like a release, like, you know, you can release it this day. And somebody in the media put screenshots out. On, you know, I don't know if it's like if somebody got fired or was pissed off at their boss or what, but like somebody in the media leaked this ahead of time when they weren't supposed to. Oh, is that? No, this is something else. Uh, But yeah, so somebody leaked that SRAM is doing a 12 speed group. Yeah, by the way, I'm reading it on Reddit right now. Oh, okay. Is it an an XD driver body? Yeah. Uh, that's that's what it claims. Okay. Well, what's really funny is like all the photos that I found, they have this little thing that says embargo 2016, uh, March 24th, which is just like two weeks yeah. before Sea Otter, which is like when new stuff is launched. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. I mean, it's coming. It's real. Uh, that means your 11-speed stuff is garbage. You shouldn't buy any more 11-speed. 11-speed <laughs> sucks. Oh man, maybe now we're gonna have like awesome conversions from like, you know, ten speed to twelve speed. You know, like man, oh, yeah. shut slam, the fuck, Kenny, shut up, slam. shut <laughs> up, oh, shut, Kenny, shut up. Oh, 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 and we can run it with the new, uh, more shit that I hate that uh, the new little Paul thingy that you can like disassemble your ten. I was just to. about to say like you could do that and yeah, we're run seriously. We're seriously Run running out of time to tell uh, John Anderson how many bad ideas he had over the last. I don't hey, know. Hey, let's not be. Let's not be mean. We're gonna be mean. <laughs> this, let's not be mean. This dude I'm had mad his... at one more thing. Oh, if, I see another, if I see another fucking bamboo bike, <laughs> I'm. I, I just don't know. What, I don't know what else to do. I can tell you what my favorite thing is: is bamboo bikes that are DIY kits. Because then it passes off that onus of responsibility to the end consumer of if your bamboo snaps while you're riding it, then... Do you get um, to harvest your own bamboo? God, I hope so. And I hope while you're doing it, you fall in a tiger trap and die. (laughs) Because all stands of bamboo have tiger traps just growing down into the ground? No. (laughs) Because if you're dumb enough to go into the woods, you're going to miss the big sign that says, Caution, tiger trap, like, exploration ahead... And then, well, you know, you do research projects where you dig a hole and build a tiger trap and you see how long it takes for rain and erosion to fill it back in. Oh, okay. And then you're just, you're just like, oh, the perfect bamboo for my 650B mid fat conversion road bike. Oh, and you fall in a hole and you die. (laughs) I don't know where the tiger Uh, trap is. You know what else makes me mad? These people are already talking about like modifying the Eagle 12 speed. Let's put a nine two small on it and a fifty two big. But I think oh, they're actually God. like some people were serious, and that's what makes me sad. You know, so a couple things. Front derailers are still around for a reason. A couple uh, things about this, real quick. Um, I was doing some homework. I do get a. I had the opportunity to pick a bike for next year from from the shop that I work for, and one of those possibilities is a bike that comes two by ten. And just out of curiosity, I looked it up, and uh, 2236 is way easier than 3042. Way easier. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really good. So, like, if you wanted a, like something like a 3050, instead you could just use 
a twenty-two thirty-six on your two by ten. Oh my god! Oh my god! It'd be so That's good. It's like the next revolution in shifting performance, right there. Using two chain rings up front instead of one. That's crazy talk. I know. That is crazy, crazy talk. So soon, <laughs> soon people are gonna be running fucking three chain rings. In the you front. know the the problem is that SRAM never made a good two by ten front derailleur for mountain bikes. Like that sh- that shifting was just never all that great. And so, I want to make a four by four drivetrain. <laughs> but I think Shimano's two by ten was excellent. Like Shimano two by ten XTR was wonderful. Two by ten XTR is one of the best overall groups that I've ever worked on. Or um, I, I mean, I, for my style of riding, I think it's not necessary. But you know, for a do it all thing, and just from a reliability standpoint and everything else, yeah, two by ten. Um, Two by ten mechanical XTR is wonderful, just phenomenal. And I'm sure I haven't actually ridden it because so few people, um, so few people have it. Um, I, but, I raced uh, it in the, the in DI2 two by eleven is oh, probably yeah. just as good. Oh yeah, it's definitely. not better. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But yeah, I mean, if you really like, if you want, if you don't think that a ten, whatever ten forty two is enough range for you, then. You know, try a front derailleur. They're, they still work. Like that 11-speed side pull Shimano front derailleur is pretty damn powerful. Uh, since I talked about a lot of, like, shit that made me mad, yeah. something that makes me a little bit happy is that um, I think we touched on it before, and I'm not going to go into it since I want to eat and, like, we've got a lot of other shit to talk about. But uh, Olin's getting into the suspension game. That's, like, really exciting. So, yeah. cause well, I want to talk about Eagle another second. I had to... I had to put some stuff in the crock pot to finish dinner. Okay. Uh, no one that – so the the problem that we're running into right now is all rear wheels have been made around like a 32. So there's really nothing on the market. And when I say nothing, I'm sure some smart ass is going to like tweet something to me. Oh, this. Most common stuff on the market was made when – Mountain bikes were nine speed and an 1132 cassette or an 1134 cassette was like the norm. We've expanded to 42 now and we're suddenly going to go to 52. So we're going to be That's applying 50, not 52. 50, whatever. You're suddenly going to be applying way more torque to the free hub than was ever designed for the free hub. And that's just going to be a problem. At some point, it will become a problem. Like, there's a reason that on, like, an Alphine hub, like, a lot of those inner, what would it be, like, uh, internally geared hubs, they have, like, a maximum rear cog size. Oh, okay. Um, A Hope road wheel has a maximum of 40 for the rear. You're not supposed to run anything over a 40 on, on a Hope rear hub for road. Okay. I think it's Hope. It's one of them. I mean, that makes sense. So we're going to start running into these big issues where people are people are taking their XD drivers and they're putting a 42 or a 50 on them or even worse. So I'm I'm going to say this I'm I'm not actually an engineer, but it doesn't matter how big of a rear cog you put on there. As so the only thing that matters is the final drive ratio. And I mean like final final drive. So taking into account the diameter of the wheel and the size of your front ring combined with your rear ring, that's your final drive ratio. And if you're putting out X amount of power, final drive ratio is what it is. That's what's going to apply more torque to the hub itself. So the reason I think it became a problem, you started seeing hubs that had all those readings on them or the maximums, like 36 tooth on the Shimano's and stuff, is because we're all going to 29s, and then... We went to 10 speed and you got 1136, but you're still running a triple on the front conceivably. So you could have like a 2236 on a 29er and all of a sudden that's a heck of a final drive. So, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So what I'm getting at is if you're one by, yes, you are going to have more torque than today, but I mean, unless you're not if you calculate it all up and you're not making more than whatever you would be in, say, whatever, a 2236 on a 29er, 
then you'll probably be okay. Well, I'm with you there, but I guess my thing is like, I understand what you're saying about final drive, but part of it too is going to come down to there's a pretty big difference between that little free hub, like take a Mavic for instance, like a two paw Mavic, those two paws holding, let's just make up the number 400 Watts. I understand 400 Watts is 400 Watts, but where is that 400 Watts being applied relative? I I totally agree. Totally agree with small hubs, no matter how you do it, if you get to a lower ratio, then you're going to be in trouble. I mean, you're putting insane amounts of stress on stuff. So if somebody could conceivably too do something really dumb, like get an Eagle 12 speed system and then, uh, you know, run a triple on the front with <laughs> 22 tooth and they're going to put it on their 36er. Oh my God. Well, it's not even, it's not really that hard to conceive of someone running that with a 26 or a 28. Yeah. Someone will do it because they sure. got that nine. But what you're saying is valid because a lot of hub designs, you're exactly right, are very, very old. Um, so, yeah. And especially if you take something like that Mavic 2-Paul, if you have a 50 and one one Paul sticks down, like, that's going to be bad. Like, Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to the, uh, to the don't do this question. The don't do this question. How, how to ruin your warranty. How to... Buy... By John, by John Anderson. Anderson. <laughs> How to Ruin Your Warranty by John Anderson. Uh, JRA Crew, thanks for the great shows. I download and listen during my weekly airline commute and has been staying has been my go-to for staying in the loop and geeking out on mountain bike tech and McNugget exchange rates. A <laughs> couple of questions. And we're going to uh, – let's see. That just looks like one question. Oh, my God. There's the second question. And then, did you not read the whole thing? No, I did. I just uh, – we'll start with the third question. Your favorite Colorado trails. I make several trips a year to Colorado and would be curious of your favorite local rides. Uh, the Colorado Trail is fun to ride wherever you want to go and, like, ride part of it. Uh, Golden Gate Canyon. Yeah, Golden Gate Canyon's good. If you like more uh, flowy with a few rocks, the, uh, the Mule Deer Trail. If you like um, – the most awful thunder chunk hike a bike, uh, snow sh- snowshoe hair, and if you like freaking just like enduro gnar, like go shred and like shred hard for twenty minutes at a time, and then have to climb and sweat and all that, and then mountain lion. What was that trail that I rode? Um, not with you guys, and I know we you guys figured out the name in like two seconds, I think. Um, crap. <laughs> not with us. Uh, no, I didn't. It was, I think it was the day after I rode with you guys. It was not very far west of you guys, but it was south. And it's like a little loop that's real popular. It's a little Imba thing, I think. It was like maybe a 30 mile loop, touched on a teeny bit of the Colorado Trail. I know that's Buffalo not Creek. super descriptive. Oh, yeah, yeah Buffalo Creek. Yeah, Buffalo that one's Creek. good. Buffalo like Creek that. is really good. I thought it was kind of a good mix, a little bit of everything. It had some exposure, yeah. had some climbing, had some fun descents. Nothing was like, I never had to get off my bike. Right. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, Buffalo Creek is a good one. All right, so what's next for his? Uh... Uh, we're going to start at the top now. A couple of questions, and we already answered number three of three. So we're going to start with number one now. What is a repaired frame worth? Nothing. Uh, if it's a full suspension bike, it is worth the value of the shock. <laughs> That's really it. You're going to yeah. sell someone a shock and give them a frame. Okay. Do you agree, Kenny? I agree, yes. Um, I mean, if you're going to give it to your buddy who like doesn't have any money, that's cool. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, I just wouldn't even bother. Uh, so he says, I purchased a new 2015 Transition Patrol last summer, large frame with a pike, yada yada, hey, sick, as, sick as hell, yada yeah, yada. Nice bike. Uh, it's a great bike. I got it to replace a Trek Slash 9 from 2012. The bad news is my fucking mouse is still not working. I hate this thing. Use your arrows. Uh, the bad. I know. I was trying to move that out of the way so I wouldn't have to read through it. The bad. The 2012 slash was known to crack at the chainstay main pivot. I caught the problem very early and had a professional welder lay in a generous amount of new material. <laughs> the slash is a little small in the reach. Yada, 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 yada. I'm going to sell it to fund other bike projects, and I'm curious what a repaired bike and frame is or 
bike or frame is worth? Am I best off selling it as a complete bike or parting keeping the components for the next build since the frame could only be worth a few hundred to a prospective buyer? Uh, Fox 36, Kashima, XTR rear, XT, drivetrain and brakes, newly warranted reverb, uh, yada, yada. Any recommendations for this sale and dealing with repaired frames? Not looking to screw anyone over on a sale, but we'd be curious of your experience. Uh, you basically just need to part that out. Like Matt said, it's worth the parts that are on it, and the frame is not worth anything. I don't think. Personally, my my educated opinion i'd actually be more comfortable if it was a carbon bike that was repaired than an alloy one i've never seen an alloy bike ever rewelded that ever lasted any length of time it has to do with a heat treating too right yeah so i mean they're heat after they're welded the whole thing goes through a heat treatment process and you know you're just not going to do that um so yeah i mean i saw the pictures and uh, it's not that the weld looks like it no i mean the unskilled guy, I mean, person it but looks like a very, very skilled person, but, you know, uh, I just don't – and I'd be really impressed too. It looked like he was actually at the lower bearing seat. So I'm assuming that had to be remachined like perfectly the right size and circular to have a proper press fit with a bearing. If that's actually correct, I'm impressed. But uh, Well, that was the other thing that we were talking about is all that stuff is done post-weld. Like at the factory. They weld it all up. And then they make that hole the right size. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and that's like when a frame is being built, you know, basically they, like in the bottom bracket, with a PressFit 30 bottom bracket, I learned this with my um, Cisco, they basically weld everything together and then they ream the bottom bracket to size because the heat of welding will deform the bottom bracket a little bit. Well, not only is it, then done to size but when they purchase those frame parts they're undersized mm-hmm. so you have to face and chase it post welding to make it work right so or even better way to describe it is if you bought a head tube from paragon you couldn't put a headset in it you would have to face and chase it before you put a headset in it even if you never welded that head tube to anything right right um, so what could John have done differently, Kenny? Um, done differently? Yeah. Like if he wanted this frame to be worth something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, if it was, if you got it welded up to, again, give to your buddy or you, it was a friend of yours who did a really good job and he did it for free or for 50 bucks or whatever. And you just wanted to continue riding it and realize that it's probably just going to break again. Um, that's fine, but I would never... I would never personally go out and get something repaired to then go sell it. I think that's really silly. I mean, if you are the original owner of this bike and it has a crack in it, you can go to a shop and get that warranted before you get someone to weld it. And you can just get a whole new slash instead of having a now worthless frame with some nice parts on it. Right. Yeah, I'm really hoping that he's not the original owner. Oh, yeah, maybe he's not, and that's why he got it uh I mean, there's no way. Why would you – I hope that you wouldn't just go ahead and do that. Well, you can buy you can buy Trek frame parts. Like, if you really want to, if you're not the original owner, you can buy a swing arm. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if he wants it to be worth something, maybe he should buy a swing arm and replace that. And then the really big technicality would be if I purchased a swing arm and that swing arm broke, I would press them to warranty that swing arm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I was like, look, guys, I get it. If the front triangle breaks, it's mine, but I'm going to buy a new rear triangle or a new rear swing arm. or Because uh, I think that's actually going to be a three-piece frame. You're going to have a, a front triangle, and then you're going to have a rear chainstay assembly, and then probably two seat stay pieces so i guess you could consider it a four-piece frame five if you want to include the rocker link but i consider that to be suspension hardware but you'd have a left and right seat stay a full chain stay assembly because it's yoked in front of the rear tire to help it travel together and be stiffer Um, but if i bought that chain stay assembly i would be the original owner of the chain stay 
and I would pay the shop to put it on. And then if it cracked again, I'd be like, hey, guys, remember this chain say that me, the original owner, bought from such and such bike shops and you guys professionally installed? It cracked. Let's warranty it. And if they, like, stutter stumbled about it, I'd be like, no, I'm the original owner of this broken Trek part. Let's warranty it. And they could go back and play hardball with their guys and get it warrantied for you. So I wouldn't – and I've had a metal frame repair, and it broke. Um, when I broke my cross bike that was metal, I called the person that built it. He refused to repair it because it would have different heat treatings. Like the rear would be double heat treated, and he didn't like that idea, so he wouldn't repair it. So getting your bike repaired, bad idea. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, carbon repairs seem to be pretty pretty strong and reliable. I mean, it's better than having a welded frame. Matt yeah, the, the only head. thing that I would probably ever repair, I just basically wouldn't repair an aluminum bike. Let's just say that because steel, eh, whatever. Um, you know, unless it's rusted through. If it's rusted through, then repairing it I think is pretty silly because it's probably just rusted through everywhere. If it's a tie frame and you, like, crinkle it, I guess you could just cut out the crinkled tube and like, <laughs> weld in a new one or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, you can rework tie if you need to. Um, it's a little bit more uh, forgiving to my understanding, but it's still probably not going to be super reliable. But just don't – aluminum, I've just never, ever, 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 ever seen on a bicycle frame an aluminum repair hold up. And I've seen a ton of people try it, and it just doesn't work. Because everybody's got a buddy that can weld aluminum. So. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm sure they can weld aluminum. And that weld uh, looks nice, but yeah, it's that uh, weld looks nicer than some welds I've seen on low end cheap bikes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the look of the weld is one thing, but there's no heat treating. That's the just, bottom line. It's just it's not going to work in a bicycle frame application. I just don't think it's going to work. So there yeah. you go. And I think a big part of it is is that we as an industry we appreciate in some ways. And we definitely pay for how like gnarly and badass all this stuff the consumers get is. On one hand, we're like, oh, I got the coolest shit on the fucking planet. But then on the other end, you're like, oh, it's my buddy can weld aluminum. Well, it's like, yeah, your buddy makes aluminum handicap ramps. Like your buddy <laughs> makes airplanes that like just, let's face it, airplanes go through the air. They don't cycle Hundreds of thousands of times. And I get it. Wings flex. Don't text me or Twitter me or email me. But, well, actually, an airplane is under all these. Shut the. I don't care about that. Well, shit. to my knowledge, they don't weld on airplanes either. I think for that very reason, they rivet them because they don't want to. They can't hot heat treat them. like they can't. Yeah. Hot spot them and then heat treat an entire airplane. That would be, you know, <laughs> I think that would be insane. So to my knowledge, unless it's like a prefab part that comes to them. And then if that part is beyond its whatever, I think they pull that whole piece out and put a new one in they're not like welding on you never i've never ever ever seen anybody welding on an airplane well there you go i mean but i think i think there's a damn good reason why and it's well i guess where i was going is even if your buddy welds something that is seemingly higher load than a bicycle you have to think about the repetitive use and the again the bicycles like that slash is probably like a 30 pound bike if the slash was a 50 pound bike and it cracked, you could probably get your buddy to weld it. But we're all like, we're all the way against the ropes on like the limit here of like how light something can be and still be strong enough to withhold what it's made for. Well, yeah, what we do is we do all this stuff, we weld them and then you have to heat treat the whole finished product to make it basically safe. Right. And then you go back and you make bearing seats and like all that stuff where the bearings snap in and all this stuff. Perfect. Um, you know, and I might be wrong. This dude might have gotten, like, someone that welds bikes to weld it. It doesn't matter, though. It wasn't heat-treated. It's it's a bad idea. So just don't ever get bicycles re- – don't ever get a alloy repaired. Bad idea. Bad idea. Um, so. Next bike considerations for a good daily driver. Uh, let's go back to his – I don't care what you say. And I'm not beating you up. I'm just trying to open your eyes to it. Newly warranted reverb stealth dropper post. Every single reverb that I see for sale has just been warranted. Every single one. <laughs> Every one of them. And now, here's the thing. I get it. There's lots of reverb warranties. 
but the first liar doesn't have a chance. So your, I understand, and I'm not calling you a liar. Yours has been newly warrantied. Cool, I get it. But to a buyer, yeah, fucking right, whatever. Everyone's newly warrantied. You know, like, no one's going to pay a premium because yours is newly warrantied. Someone yeah. would pay a premium if it was warrantied, never installed. Then it would be new in box. Yeah. That would be yeah, worthy. Yeah, if it was new in box, that would be different. Um, but that's that's not going to be valuable. More of, it's used. It's used like every other used product. That's the bottom line. Is the seller and again, unless it's your best friend that like knows that you didn't have a dropper post for two weeks and we're like bumming about it and you just got it back, like they're gonna be like, oh yeah, I'll help you unload that post. Let's let's get it installed on my bike. You know, that's it's gonna be the only way you're gonna get that newly warranted value out of it. Uh, yeah, so that, uh, so good bike for a daily driver. And, uh, he has an aggressive full suspension bike, a vintage steel trail bike, and a BMX bike. He wants one to balance the quiver. Um, what's his, what's the travel on his aggressive full suspension bike? A patrol is like a big bike. I mean, it's a okay. big pikey bike. I mean, it's um, like a, I don't know, something like a, Cross-country full suspension or a hardtail or something? A hardtail would definitely take the place of that uh, steel vintage trail bike. Well, he says the Trek Stash and the Kona Hansa looking ticing. Yeah, um sure. Yeah. Or the the Doma Hitty tie, like we recommended last week. Like, that's a freaking sweet uh, hardtail. I like that one. He says even though it's, even though it's not spec for a 124, it, you can ride it with a 124. Yeah, a Hanzo looks all right. Yeah, but he says something about plus tires. So, I mean, I guess he would have to get the stash if he wanted plus tires. But then it's not a fast bike. It's a plot around bike. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't seem like a dude. He's, if he's riding around on a freaking Bridgestone steel bike, any hardtail... Like any modern hardtail 29er that he can also put like some 27.5 plus tires on is, is going to make him real happy. Right. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't get a, I mean, again, it's just really hard. Like, I don't know. I don't think a stash is a good bike. Like the tires just so big and so floppy. <laughs> yeah. Either of those could be okay. I mean, try, try them out. If you can demo or test ride or something like on trails, then see which one you like better. Um, but yeah, like a, a hardtail 29er would probably fit your your wishes for something to balance out what you've got now and replace that Bridgestone blue thing. Make that into your next bar bike. Well, I mean, that bike, at least he did do full run housing on it. So yeah. that's good. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just like, again, not trying to be continually just bashing you into the earth, but like, <laughs> You're doing a good job of it. <laughs> I'm just going to quit talking then. I mean, let's face it. You have like a bike that's been repaired. And then you have a really nice bike that you bought, but you don't really like riding where you live because you think it's too much bike. And then you're riding around on a rigid cantilever 26er with a steel fork. Like, yeah. As like long any... as the bike that you buy costs more than $1,500, it's going to be sick. Yeah. Maybe like a Crave. Get Yeah, get a Crave. Get that's, a hardtail 29er. Oh my God. What? I'm, I'm done. I'm You're just going to keep being a jackass. <laughs> Get a hardtail 29er of some sort. Um, try them all out and see what you like. But yeah, spend like $1,800 on a hardtail 29er, and you'll probably get a bike that's that's going to be a, a lot of fun, especially compared to your uh, bar bike in training. Right. That's all I got. And I'm not trying to beat him up too bad, but it's like, Perfect example of, you know, don't try to fiddle with stuff. Uh, that's number one. And number two, like... Wait, what'd you say, Matt? Don't, don't fiddle, don't, don't with, fiddle stuff. with stuff. Don't fiddle with stuff, really? <laughs> no, I mean, like... What? Don't fiddle with your frame. Like, Don't try to build, like, weird bikes? And no, don't. No, no, don't, like, like, don't man. try to fiddle with stuff. Like, don't try to weld your alloy frame. Yeah, okay. that's... You were you're blo- you blowing my mind there. Sorry, no, definitely dick around with things, but, like, don't... don't <laughs> I was going futz- to say, that's, that's the Matt philosophy. Don't futz around with things that... Are you saying I build stupid bikes? 
No, I didn't. You said that. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, I hope your Brompton folds on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. While you're riding. That um, is a big. That is a big fear. <laughs> I'd like jump down like off a little curb, and it makes all kinds of weird. <laughs> have you have you timed yourself to see how fast you can fold and unfold your Brompton? Uh, no. It's really hard when you're only doing it with one hand because you don't want to spill your beer. <laughs> no, where I was going to go though is like, so the one is like, don't mess with things that have structural integrity issues or could have them. So that's what I meant by don't fiddle with stuff. And the second one is you're like the perfect customer that's like him hauling between bikes. You're like, oh, I can't decide if I should get the Trek Fuel EX or the Specialized Camber. And it's like, it's like the camber's only got XT. And you can get a fuel, and it's got like SLX XT. I just don't know. And it's like, what are you riding now? It's like 97 Tassajara. It's like, <laughs> buy either of them. Yeah, it's like, buy a bike. Just buy a bike that you think is cool for the right reasons, not because it has a fucking XT rear derailleur. Well, no, buy, and also... Buy a bike that, thinks, that you think is going to be good for what you want to do with it, and then you just buy it. And if you don't like it, you sell it and you buy something different. No, it's like, well, I guess what I mean is, like, if you're comparing it to a bike that's 18 years yeah, old exactly. with 26-inch wheels and rim brakes and a fork that doesn't actually work, it's like, you could literally, like, go, if we could put all the bikes over $3,000 in a corner and you, like, threw a slap hand, whatever it stuck to, you'd be happy with. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Every hardtail 29er that is... Even like an entry level hardtail twenty nine would be more fun than that. No, the problem is, is he has a pike, so he knows yeah, what good true. suspension that's feels true. like. So he has to spend two grand and get a real fork. Get you so, basically, you need to get a hardtail twenty nine er that has parts that are comparable in um, like quality, quality level. Um, well, his other bike is all like your... XX one and stuff, so it doesn't have to be that nice. It just can't. Like it X, has to be good stuff. XO one and XT, like get a bike that has that stuff on it. And then the last thing is. Don't buy any of the stashes that have suspension because those Manitou forks don't have any mid-stroke, so they just feel bad. So don't buy one of those. And they weigh a bunch. They weigh so much. They weigh more than your pike on your other bike. They weigh... So I weighed the Manitou fork, and I... The one that comes on the stash. The one that comes on the stash, the purple stash, and I wanted to say it was like $2,350. A Reba's like $1,800, and a pike is like $2,000. Yeah, so... Isn't that right, Kenny? Um, I didn't hear all of them. The Pike is, I think the Pike's like 1950, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, you're, you're pretty close on that. Yeah, yeah, but this, this fork was like a half pound heavier than a Pike. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Whoops. So that's all I got. Just buy something. Buy something nice. Spend some money. I mean, I looked up the Kona. The Kona doesn't hold plus wheels. It comes with a Fox 34. But you can put 27.5 plus wheels on it. Maybe. Maybe. I mean. Isn't it a boost bike? I don't care. You still might not be able to put that on there if it's not made for it. I don't care how wide the rear end is if it's not. If the if it's not made for a three inch tire, four hundred and thirty five millimeters. Yeah, it's boost. But if it's not made to have a three inch tire at four hundred and thirty five or four hundred and forty millimeters up the chainstay, then yeah. it's never going to fit. Yeah. Oh well. Because I did some, maybe it's not 435. I can't, I don't know where it is. But like I measured it the other day. Like I had a 27.5 bike and I was like, okay, here's the center of the axle. Here's the widest part of the tire. And like I made like a little note of where it was and I pulled the wheel out and measured the chainstay width there. And then like I went to my crave and I was like, here's the center of the axle. Here we go. And I measured it and I was like, oh yeah, that's way smaller. So it's not going to fit. But it's not like it was a difference between 148 and 135 makes 13. It wasn't 7 millimeters on each side. The tubing is still like further profiled in order to accommodate that tire size. So Can I be the one that takes my headphones out and walks off this week? Yeah. Okay. You got to throw them down, though. Can I have, like, a woman trump? There you go. <laughs> so, bye-bye. It's not going to matter. They're all going to be better than your Bridgestone, and yeah, it's good. That's all I have. What do you have, Kenny? 
Yeah, I'm, I got nothing else. All right, well, with that note, I want to wrap this up. Uh, but this has been this week's episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Making It Rain Like a Wind of Pain, and us ripping John Anderson a new one. Sorry. I mean, we do appreciate you listening, and I hope that this is sobering and uh, grounds you in reality on the value and your of your existing slash and the, the future purchasing happiness you will have with your new bike so it's really it's really all i got you good kenny yep all right go